0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, reviews, technology, associated products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 2019. And this week, the news has, of course, all been about. Apple and that revenue warning. What a tragedy. They're only going to make 80-something billion dollars instead of the 90-something they might have hoped for. Worst problems in the world to have, I'm sure. But never mind, Mark and I will talk about that shortly, I'm sure. And we are joined this week by Paul Kafarsis of Rogue Amoeba. Hello, Paul. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Thank you. I suppose we should start with the usual bridge thing. What's the weather like where you are?
2: <laughs> uh, well, it's I'm looking at sun, but it's uh, about 33 degrees out, so... When I checked the news this morning, there was a warning of black ice, so I have not stepped foot outside the door because I don't want to fall on my butt. Nope. Oh, that's a Oh, <laughs> 33. What
0: do you mean, man? Is that a bit of your fancy-schmancy-blooming-Fahrenheit, that is, isn't it?
2: Ah, uh, right, right, right. Uh, sorry, what, what do I need? Uh, it's right around zero.
1: Yes, I was going to say, that's just just a f- touch above freezing. So, there we go. It's uh, what you'd expect for a January day. Dull it's and It's Britain. Oh, it, so we- you
0: are right. ...over there, then, Paul. Fair plays. Fair plays. Why is it? Why do you use Fahrenheit over there? Why don't you come across to our side and use Celsius?
2: Oh, we could could do the entire show on this. I am am on board with the metric system except for Celsius because Celsius to me does not... There's no difference between, like, uh, what, like 20 Celsius and 25 Celsius. That's a huge difference. Here, you know, 30 is cold. 60 is nice, 90 is hot. We've got a good range.
0: Oh, I've heard this. Um, oh, what was it? Your man, Casey Liss, had exactly the same argument. It's like, you know, it's only, but it's only like, oh, American football, where you have such preposterous scores because everything needs to be a bit bigger over there, surely. <laughs> it's
3: like, oh, it's, it's, it's game of
0: 99 versus 93. Well, it, you know, we're quite happy with 2-0. We, you know, we're very British about Well, math.
2: you're happy with 0-0, which <laughs> makes no sense to me, but we won't even get into that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but at least when we've done nil nil, that's done in the space of about ninety minutes. Unlike your baseball games, which can go on for about a quarter of a decade.
2: But somebody's going to score. It's going to. It's going to at least wind up one 0 yeah, Is there any
0: statistical proof on this
2: baseball? <laughs> you think there are still games going on that are tied up? In a draw, let's go on to Duck Duck
0: Go. But it's true; it's like American football. It's like you know, we had rugby. What did you lot do? Think you know what? Bone crushing people with you know man on man contact isn't enough. We need to add a bit more death into it.
2: <laughs> I can't argue with that. I can't argue with anything except the uh, the only one I'll 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 plant my flag in the sand on is uh, is Fahrenheit. <laughs> uh, I'm I'd be happy if we were using the metric system. I'd be happy with. Uh, I don't. I stopped watching football. Quite a while ago. Uh, baseball and soccer, I think you got a good argument as, as to which one is slower. But uh, In
0: most leagues, particularly major baseball leagues, the tie is broken down after two extra innings. So you're not happy with the draw. Someone's got to win. Yes.
3: <laughs> ah, well,
0: that plays. So that means the, the, uh, an example of such game is the Washington Nationals versus San Francisco Giants in 2014. That was played for, and I quote, a record six hours, 23 minutes. yep that is a lot of beer drinking time it and and is there a problem there touché sir touché you have me on that one (laughs) (laughs) but then you don't have pints do you over there you have liters sorry say again so so when you go to your local watering hole do you have pints or do you have liters
1: uh pints they have US point, pints, which are only 16 fluid ounces, which means they're smaller than a proper imperial metro, imperial pint.
2: So there. True.
0: Guys, you, you guys over there are being screwed over something wrong at times. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Uh, right, so a US pint is 473 milliliters. Sorry, I just always find this a bit fascinating. And a
1: UK <laughs> it's pint 16 is... fluid, fluid ounces, hell? so it's the same number of ounces as a pound, what as opposed to as opposed to a, you know an imperial pint, which is 20 fluid ounces. So a US quart is about a pint and a half. There you go.
0: You see all these shows on TV where, like, you know, Americans, are, you know, like, get absolutely plastered. And I'm thinking, they were last ten minutes over here, one of our pubs.
1: <laughs> oh, well, anyway, nothing, that's enough of that before we start an international incident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Loop back, so, let's go on to us yes, back. G- let's go on, Paul. <laughs> Let's let's face it. Let's get to what we're actually here for. You have introduced an update to your fabulous loopback software. So we have. Uh, would you like to explain that to the listeners?
2: Oh, geez, no. <laughs> 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 All right, then. <Dan>,
1: thanks. <laughs> that's uh, glad, yeah.
2: that's the end of the show then. Right. Uh... Oh, it's a quick one this week. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, so loopback is a tool that we made. Uh, let's see. It is 2019 now. Uh, just just. To remind everyone, it's 2019 now, uh, and Loopback, we released the very first version uh, three years ago, and it's a tool to route audio between applications on your Mac and to combine audio devices on your Mac. So basically, uh, if you want to get audio, let's say we're using a tool called Wire, a VoIP app called Wire. If you want to get audio into Wire beyond just your microphone, you can use Loopback to create what we call virtual devices. That combine audio from, for instance, uh, I have a soundboard app that I use alongside my microphone, so I can toss in uh, sound effects. Like if I like were this? to pretend that I was done with the show. Exactly. We got we got sad trombone. We got my car's leaving. I'm I'm out of here. Uh, and that's uh, that. This uh, loopback makes it possible to combine that audio and make sure that it gets where you need it to go. Uh, and as you mentioned, we shipped a, a, a major update of it uh, just a couple of weeks ago, which uh, adds a whole bunch more functionality and hopefully makes it a whole lot easier to use.
0: And it was one hell of an update as well, wasn't it? It, was, it wasn't just like uh, new features. Uh, so was it just like, a, uh, like you get on iOS where you see a lot of them saying miscellaneous bug fixes? <laughs> this, this was a lot more than that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This, so this was our first major upgrade since 2016 when the product was first announced, uh, first released. And this the, the biggest thing, the most obvious thing was the interface was overhauled. So when we first came out with this in 2016, we said, you know, we think this is technology that people need. This is something that we can build with the back end of audio control that we have. But we're not quite sure how people are going to use it. We're not quite sure who's going to use it and why they're going to use it. And so we said, all right, let's 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 make this technology available, but let's not spend you know months and months uh, refining an interface for a product that we're not quite sure how it'll be used and, and really even if it'll be used. Uh, fortunately for us, it was used, and, and we learned a lot about how podcasters and and audio professionals were using the product. And given that and given the popularity that the first version had, we said, all right, let's set aside some time and really... Uh, spend some time designing uh, the best possible interface for this, so that people can see how the product works and understand how the product works and how their audio will flow through it.
1: One of the main things you've done, Paul, obviously, is you've made it much more visual, haven't you? Because you you can effectively see, as it were, cables. You can connect. You can connect the devices in loopback visually.
2: Right. Exactly. So so the very first version had what we sort of have retroactively called sort of a spreadsheet appearance it was not at all as you said it wasn't very visual it wasn't showing your audio is going to flow from your microphone to this channel of the virtual device and your audio is going to flow from uh, whatever software application you're using to this channel and and be monitored on this channel it didn't really allow for any of that and it didn't show you how these things would flow with the new version it's as you said it's very visual there's virtual wires but it's showing left to right how the audio will flow and where it will flow and essentially what it will do. And then if you have the product open while you're using one of your virtual devices, there's also level meters so you can see, okay, I've got audio coming from that application and from that microphone and it's being combined into these channels and uh, yeah, just a very visual way of seeing how everything's working, and hopefully that makes it a lot easier for people to understand what their audio is doing instead of just going into a black box and hoping that it works right.
0: It, the new design sort of looks like a very, how do I put this, a very Johnny eye version of Audio Hijack because it follows... uh,
2: in that it's very white. Uh, certainly, Al. The the coloring of the current version of Loopback 2, uh, Loopback 2.0 is is all very bright and white. And yeah, as you say, there's there's that same sort of pipeline style. We we've come up with this idea of an audio pipeline where audio flows, like I said, left to right, and you see it, you see that audio uh, represented with level meters and and sort of a visual representation of that audio as it moves through. And audio hijack was the first application we had that did that. Uh, that was about uh, geez four years ago because that was 2015, and again 2019 now. Uh, and then Loopback uh, sort of adopted that same idea. Uh, after seeing the success we had with it in audio hijack
0: you did say a few minutes ago about you um you drew some inspiration from podcasting and how they used it who sort of who did you sort of like call upon and who was lucky enough to have a bit of feedback on the new version of loopback
2: Uh, Well, uh, you mentioned as we were running, uh, introducing the show or or setting up the show, uh, Guy, our friend Guy Searle, he was on our beta team. Uh, We had, uh, I'd have to look, we had had about 20 or 30 different beta testers who were using the new version. Uh, And we sort of sometime, I'd say about early last year, we plopped down the new version in front of them and said, okay, this is sort of what we're planning, but try it out. Tell us how it works. Tell us what you're missing. Tell us what you... Think we could add, or what we should take away, even, and it was you know sort of a, a cross section of people that were interested in the product, that were already using the first version, and people that were hopefully going to be interested in the product uh, once it was updated. So it was it was we we often do sort of an open call for beta testers. In this case, we actually had some users who'd been vocal about loopback one and said, you know, this is great, but I need such and such, or, uh, this I'd love to use this, but I can't because it's missing this feature or even, you know, this is great and I don't really need anything. And we certainly don't want to with a new version that sort of massively overhauls the product. We don't want to leave too many people behind, uh, with changes that we make. So we wanted to make sure we had people that, uh, were already satisfied with the product and hopefully are even more satisfied with the new version. So yeah, like I said, it was a, it was a cross section of, of various podcasters and then also audio professionals who are using this uh, uh, for you know their day job you know in studios and things like that.
0: If only I had that audio when we, I, I threw a few ideas at you quite jokingly and you said to me, the amount of times I've heard people say it would be perfect for me if <laughs> mm-hmm. I kept that audio, damn it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the last time you were on, if you remember. Not actually during the show, we were talking about, you mentioned um, people writing to you about fishing, saying, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah, and somehow Mark managed to lose that piece of audio because <laughs> he was going to bundle it up and use it you know as a uh sort of an after show but he's, he lost yep. it somewhere along the way but yeah that was the bit where you said if uh everybody writes in and says fishing would be perfect if it had just this one extra feature but everybody has a different feature and if i incorpor-
2: everyone's got a different if one, i incorporated
1: yeah. well, and- them all it would end up like photoshop it would be monstrous
2: it'd be it'd be excel or word exactly uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's certainly something that we see, uh, definitely with Fission in particular is it's our audio editor and it's designed to be very simple. And that's one where it's very simple and, and that's sort of what makes it useful and great for people. And if you, as, as you just said, if you add every, oh, it just needs this one feature, suddenly it's not simple at all. Uh, a tool like Audio Hijack, especially, and, and a tool like Loopback is designed to be sort of a little bit more. We we sort of, in quotes, use the term pro or professional, although plenty of hobbyists are using these and and plenty of professionals want a simple tool. But, uh, you know, a tool that is a pro level versus a consumer level. And audio hijack and loopback are both skewed a little more on the pro end of the spectrum. We want them to be as simple as possible. We want, you know, anybody who steps in front of a computer to be able to use them. But there, at least, we feel we have a little more leeway in terms of making them a little more complex. Yeah, because
1: obviously the simplest recording device you do is, is called Piezo after the old uh, radios. Yep. A- and that is uh, you know the simplest of of simple uh, software recorders, isn't it? I mean there
2: is one button to get started. That is it. Is, I, that um, and couldn't that couldn't is make it, it much simpler than that. And I will say
1: that is exactly how I started recording this podcast uh, initially as a backup uh, for Mark. Piezo costs twenty dollars and it allows you to choose your application for input and uh record it that is ultra simple as you say it's a it's a digital equivalent of those old box um tape cassettes isn't it you, you've got record and stop recording absolutely and by the way i recommend it highly to anybody uh, you know particularly people who are thinking of starting uh maybe you know a podcast or recording themselves in any way because it's it's a very small outlay it does exactly what it's supposed to do you know you can build on that it's not it's not an all it's an all in one solution for a beginner
2: yeah absolutely absolutely that's 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 a great way of looking at it that's sort of what we say is that you know if you're just getting started uh check this out and and then you're eventually going to realize hey i need some more functionality and then we have audio hijack which is sort of the follow up for for those people that have and and that is exactly
1: how i moved along i i went um first of all i, I was just using piezo i wanted to have more control over the input so you know i moved on to uh, audio hijack because obviously that allows you to add things like a noise gate and then an e- and uh, you have a volume control and so on. and loop back. of course just makes life easy by cr- i mean i'll be honest Lovely as Loopback too is. It's unlikely that I'm going to upgrade, but that is because what I do with Loopback is basically I create about three virtual devices, and for throughput, yep, I have a, a virtual device called Input for voice over IP. I have a, a virtual device called Output for re- uh, recording, and I have another one which I use to pass uh, stuff from Farago to the recording, and that's all I need to do with it. So as lovely as all the extra features are, they don't apply to me.
0: But conversely, though, to counteract that, and I'm sure Paul's chomping at the bit stamp in here, they, the people that will buy them will know the value of them. I've just had a look at the upgrade pricing because I've only got a CIRC uh, upgrade code. Damn it! And I didn't realise <laughs> you were offering such a generous discount to the people like me who are going to upgrade.
2: Yeah, so I mean, the first version was $99. It's, the, it's still $99. This is, as I said, it's, it's more on the pro end of the spectrum. It's, it's something that people are using uh, for tasks that often are making them money. Podcasters uh, who have, you know, a higher end show that has advertising and that is potentially earning money. And uh, so then the, the upgrade is uh, $49 from the first version. I'm not
1: denigrating it in any way whatsoever. I'm saying for my personal
2: even the first version had uh, took care of took care of everything you needed. Version two, for my personal
1: use, is overkill. It adds a whole load of things that I have no use for, and that doesn't make it bad. It just means that the version I have does what I require of it. Absolutely, and I can I can one hundred percent see what you've done because people like Guy who like who you know who like to use a much more complicated setup and do weird things with having four microphones and. <laughs> putting stuff guys, through the iPad to say guys and all sorts. Never stops messing about with his audio, and he has you know, all sorts of audio interfaces and mixers and all sorts. And that's brilliant. You can see on Loopback Two exactly what's going where to where, and that I think is something that might help Mark because Mark sometimes gets his channels in a knot, don't you, Mark?
0: Well, I know I finally got the same board working, which is in no part down to um, to Loopback. One thing, um, just coming on to the pricing a little bit, you did say something there about it's obviously being used by professionals. How have you had any feedback on the pricing? In so much as if you look at the app store, in some ways the app store's got such a divide between those apps that you pay maybe five ninety nine for or nine ninety nine for, and then there's the big. Then you've got like the second layer, as I call it, which is your affinity designer or your um, You had the graphic design apps. And then you've got the big boys, like, not Lightroom. What's the video editing app by Apple?
2: Uh, Final Cut?
0: That's the one. You you have priced yourself in that area. Was that a conscious decision, or is that because the feedback that you've got, they said, yes, we're willing to, you know, this is what you should pay. We would be happy to pay this.
2: Well, I should start by saying that we don't really look to the app store itself for pricing uh, just because the iOS App Store really drove prices as close to zero as they can get and the Mac App Store is at least holding the line a little bit better in that Apple has some applications in there that you mentioned that are you know paid for and you know actually have a, a price that is sustainable for a developer um, I think it was really more something that we looked at this and this was a tool that we don't need every user to purchase. Uh, we don't need, so we, we have a tool called airfoil, which lets, which lets you stream audio all around your house. And this is probably our most, uh, populist tool. It's the tool that almost anybody who uses audio on their computer might have a use for. If you're throwing a party and you want to play music, you know, in multiple rooms, uh, if you're somebody who, you know, just has a, a house that has, uh, a HomePod or an Apple TV or, you know, any Apple device that does AirPlay. Uh, AirFoil can potentially help you play music around your house. And that's something that all, all sorts of users want to do. And that's something that we priced at $29. So, you know, sort of a, a much more consumer level pricing. Uh, a tool like Loopback is something that, you know, many users are not going to need. And the people that are going to need it, as I said, are people that are potentially at least or uh, are, are more likely to be making money off of the use of the tool. And something like that, I think is it's possible to charge a little bit more because you're providing something that professionals need to be useful and also reliable. And so the price on that can reflect that, reflect the fact that you're making something that is reliable and is doing something that enables them to earn money off whatever they're doing. So I, I don't know that we necessarily looked at Uh, You know, certainly the audio tools that are out there that are on this in this sort of price range, something like Logic or, uh, you know, a lot of the third party stuff like Reason and uh, other digital audio workstation tools are hundreds of dollars even. And they're replacing physical equipment that is thousands of dollars. So we definitely felt we were in that area much more than something like a consumer tool like Airfoil.
0: Uh, I know exactly where you're coming from. Many years ago, I was doing some audio on a, oh God, a Windows PC. (laughs) Uh, uh, And I just remember having to add just a cacophony of cables, like coming out from the standard 3.5mm jack into a converter to split it off into all those other horrible headphone-sized things to route it all the way back through. I just wish... I wish, you just touched on it there about um, other third-party DAWs. There was a way to sort of have an all-in-one podcasting recording system on the iPhone or iPad so we could do wire and do everything on the iPad. I, I know that's, I know there are some kludgy sort of hacks. So have you had anything or any sort of hints and tips for how to do that?
2: As far as doing it on, on iOS, not really. Uh, obviously, our tools are all on the Mac, We've focused on the Mac. I mentioned, I touched on briefly that the iOS app store does not have a very good ecosystem of paid apps. And that's, we've sort of, for 17 years now, uh, almost 17 years, worked on making what we call deep applications, uh, applications that are deep and fairly broad as well, that provide a whole lot of functionality. And, you know, uh, you have to pay a certain amount, 25 to $100 for these products but they're going to do something that you need and they're going to provide a whole lot of functionality around doing that. On iOS, the idea has been sort of flipped around and you get uh, sort of very shallow applications that don't do a whole lot, which is great. They can be specialized and, and just provide exactly what you need, but it's difficult to charge very much money for something like that. And I think it's two sides of the same coin. It's difficult to charge very much money on iOS because there's no trials there's no way to show off the software in a way that will prove to somebody, hey, this is worth paying 20 or $50 for. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of caveats on that. It's gotten better. You can show video on iOS now to show how the product works. You can do uh, subscription pricing so you can say, hey, the first week is free, and then after that, you can pay, but... The idea of just a downloadable trial that works, but after two weeks stops working or after some limitation stops working is not really something that's possible on iOS. And as a result, it's difficult to create what I refer to as these deeper applications because people just aren't willing to pay that money without using the software and they shouldn't be. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's the many restrictions that Apple has on what you can do on iOS And a whole lot of what our software on the Mac is doing is things that are not permitted on iOS and even are not permitted in the iOS app, or sorry, on the macOS app store. So that's why none of our tools, aside from Fission, are in the app store, because they're doing things that there are these various restrictions that Apple puts in place that users don't necessarily know about, but that, you know, you're prohibited from uh, installing anything besides the application itself. And loopback and audio hijack and most of our audio tools use something called ace which is our audio cat- capture engine uh ace which lets you grab audio and and then we manipulate that audio as you've instructed us to but that's something that the app store doesn't allow you can't have a tool that installs something else so there's there's sort of several reasons why one we're not in the mac app store and then to, to your question why this isn't possible on ios But, uh, you know, uh, there's there's definitely, as you said, there's ways around this and there's there's hacks that make it possible to do this, but it's not really something that is straightforward or or that works the way you would want it to. And on the Mac, it is possible to do that. And and we've made a whole lot of things possible that, you know, people are using the Mac for and, and we're at this point content to stick with on the Mac
0: touching on sandbox again i am new no developer whatsoever But a few things you've just said there make sense because just looking at the panic blog it was good to see some of the i wouldn't say call them old apps but apps that have been around since well they're, they're old and well respected like transmit the ftp clients that came back to um the app store so the mac think- app store yep yeah so do you think Apple are sort of looking at the the apps like tran, uh, transmit and maybe your good selves and thinking, well, how can we sort of you know, undo the the sandboxing um, tightness? Should we call it?
2: Yeah. So so you mentioned sandboxing, and and that's certainly another another issue that uh, you know I hadn't. Directly touched on that, you know, this is limitations on the software, and they need to be able to fit in what's called the sandbox. And some of what we're doing doesn't fit in there either, as far as the audio capture goes. I think definitely at WWDC this year, and and leading up to that, there was a lot of discussion of the Mac App Store itself. Uh, in contrast to the iOS App Store, the iOS App Store, regardless of the issues that you know I see there on pricing, there are hundreds of thousands of applications and. They are popular, and whether or not there are a whole lot of people making good businesses out of it, uh, besides doing things like games where there's, uh, you know, pay-to-play, there are certainly plenty of utilities to do all sorts of things that people want. The Mac App Store, by contrast, has been sort uh, of—at this point, it's better, but uh, a year ago, I might even go so far as to call it sort of a wasteland, a barren wasteland of not a whole lot of applications— And the stories you heard over the past uh, since the sandboxing regulations went in, uh, you know, several years ago uh, and got more strict, it was all applications leaving the App Store. Uh, You know, BBEdit left the App Store, Transmit left the App Store, uh, our own Piezo left the App Store. And that started out as a tool that we really wanted to get audio capture into the App Store. And pretty quickly after that, the sandboxing restrictions came in and it was no longer really possible to do what we wanted. Uh, in the past six months to a year, yeah, Apple has definitely been looking at this and saying, all right, we need to or we want to make the Mac App Store uh, more vibrant and and you know more of a thriving ecosystem. So they approach developers like Panic and Barebones and and others to to get that software in there and and sort of hopefully, I think in their eyes, make the Mac App Store more of a destination for finding software. The thing to me is that Some of these, some of the changes that they've made are certainly, the the changes that they've made are certainly positive for the developers who came back. Obviously, that's why they came back, but I'm not yet convinced that it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, The Mac has how many years worth of, 35 years at this point, worth of independent software and uh, 10 years of the Mac App Store. So it's something where there was a whole lot of infrastructure in place to get software onto your Mac you don't need the Mac App Store to get software. On iOS, your only option is the App Store to get software, uh, short of jailbreaking your phone, obviously. But it's something where the Mac was already a place where you could download software and try things out and you know, purchase from independent vendors such as ourselves and many others. And so the Mac App Store was filling uh, sort of a hole that didn't necessarily need to be filled. It's something that Apple might want to fill, uh, but it's not something that, to me, feels as necessary. So, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what they're doing with the Mac App Store. And we certainly have a small number of people who say, oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to buy this. I wish it were in the Mac App Store. And we say, well, unfortunately, the restrictions there prevent us from doing that. We're always looking at it and we're always watching what Apple's doing there. And, and if it makes sense to be there, we will be. But uh, right now it still is not possible to be there. And we'll see what happens in the future, to your point of, you know, what are they doing as far as opening this back up?
0: You've probably answered this a thousand times before, uh, and I probably haven't heard you on the podcast when you've done, but I'll ask it anyway. When you left the App Store, um, did it make that much of a difference to you um, in hindsight? Uh,
2: as far as piezo goes? Uh, in general. Right. So so the the biggest thing... So when we left, we actually didn't really publicize this. We didn't say, okay, we're leaving the App Store. There's There have been a few apps that said, you know, enough is enough. We've had issues with... X, Y, and Z, and, and we're tired of dealing with it, so we're no longer in the Mac App Store. Uh, we didn't really publicize this. We we removed the product, and and you know the only way to get it was directly from our website after that, and that's now currently the only way to get Piezo. And in the uh, a year later, so I'm trying to think of the exact dates. I think it's been it's either two or three years since Piezo left the Mac App Store. It's at least two. Uh, a year after we looked at the numbers, and we saw that we had actually earned more revenue after leaving the Mac App Store. And the biggest reason for that was sales, uh, unit sales were slightly down. But if you sell uh, 90 copies of something, and get to keep almost all of the money, or if you sell 100 copies of it, but Apple takes 30% of half of those sales, you're losing money based on that revenue that they take, you know, that uh, percentage that they take, uh, and they take thirty percent of every sale in the App Store, so that's a big chunk of change. That if you lose a few sales, but many of those sales come to your direct version, and you get to keep you know ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven percent of the revenue on that, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot to make up for those lost sales. So for us, it was something where revenue wise, uh, the product I, I'd have to look at the past the the second year we've been out of there, I believe it is, but the product is certainly selling. Uh, revenue-wise, as well or better than it did in the App Store. And just in terms of the headaches of dealing with the App Store, uh, look, er every time we release a product, uh, release an update, for everything that's not in the App Store, we can say that morning, hey, we just fixed this bug. We want to get this into people's hands as quickly as possible, and this is an important fix. Let's spend the next two hours testing it and put it up on our website, and then, like that, we can release it. With the App Store, we need to say, okay, we need to create the, create the version that we think we're ready to release. Submit it to Apple, get it approved. They do their review, which can take the most recent one took six hours, uh, but it can take six days, it can take two weeks, it can take longer than that. You never know how long it's going to take. So the excuse me, the headache, the stress of dealing with uh, someone something out of your control telling you when this product can be released is removed. And that's certainly mentally very beneficial to us. So uh, to, to, to the short answer to your question is, has it impacted us? Yes, in that we're happier dealing with these releases. As far as revenue goes, no, we wound up making a little bit more money not being in the app store. Uh, so overall, it's been something where we said, okay, we, we made this decision decision to leave the app store. And I think our decision holds up. It's not something where I say everyone should get out of the App Store. You're fools for being in there. And, uh, but I certainly do understand the stresses people have with it and the, and the reasons that other applications have left.
0: Just as a, a small thought experiment then, let's say there were no uh, restrictions and you could go back into the App Store and you only had to sacrifice 15% of your revenue. Because I think that was a deal that Netflix got and somehow got leaked, wasn't it? That they were only paying 15% commission. Well,
1: no, because the the subscriptions work
2: on... The subscriptions are 30 and then 15 the second year, but my understanding was that Netflix was getting 15 from day one. Netflix have pulled out altogether now. They've
1: done the same thing. They've said, we're big enough that people will come to us regardless. So right. I subscribe to my Netflix through iTunes, and that will continue
2: to be paid that
1: way. Apparently,
2: as an existing customer. Yes,
1: but no new customers will be able to sign up via the the iTunes store.
2: Right, you'll have to go to the Netflix website, and then and then once you've done that, you can just sign into your yeah. account. the The really goofy thing about that, and this is all on iOS, but uh, they are not if you download the Netflix app and you don't have a Netflix account, you've never used it, they are not allowed to just link you to their website and say, this is what you need to do. And not only are they not allowed to do that, they're not allowed to bury this. You know, if there are any links in the application back to their website that then say, uh, here's how you sign up, the app gets rejected. And there's been various rejections that people have found because Somewhere deep in their FAQ on their website, it mentioned, oh, here's how you sign up or whatever. Uh, yeah. Apple very clearly is not looking, is looking to prevent people from doing what Netflix did, which is stop using iTunes itself to sign up for things. And that, I think, feels pretty wrong to me as a developer, that if Apple wants me to offer iTunes as an option, that's one thing. But if they want me to pretend that there's no other option uh, on the iOS, then... Uh, on the iOS app, then that's a bad experience for everybody because if, like Netflix, you want to no longer pay that 30 or 15%, uh, the fact that if somebody can download the app and say, okay, now what? Uh, Apple shouldn't be happy with that either. They shouldn't be happy with a, their customer, their iPhone customer or iPad customer, downloading an application and being confused by it. And that confusion is a result of Apple's policies.
0: So with all that in mind then, If, let's say, you could get um, Audio Hijack, Pietza or or any of the great apps from Rogue (laughs) back into the Mac App Store and only pay 15%, would you be tempted to go back on there? Or would you sort of say, you know, listing everything you've said about being in control of your own destiny, would you still be reluctant to go back? Or would you go back?
2: Well, that's a difficult question to answer just because it's not right in front of us. But, uh, you know, I'm certainly... I sympathize with people that are trying to get all their software in the Mac app store. There are the the benefits there are you never have to give your payment information to anybody else. Your downloads are very easy. When you open up a new computer, set up a new computer, you just download all your software one place, one click, very simple. And, you know, there there are some benefits there that I, I fully understand and I fully understand why customers would say, hey, I'd love it if it were if it were possible to do this. But for us the stresses that I mentioned and the issues that I mentioned, uh, some of those are are pricing related. So 15% would certainly be a lot less than 30%, but it would be a whole lot more than the, uh, I'd say about 5% we pay for everything that we do as far as payment processing goes, hosting the software, having the website, everything else. Uh, It would certainly be more expensive even at 15%. Um, The other thing that I really like about direct sales is that we're able to provide the, the product in a trial form to the user, and we say, download this. It'll show you every single feature that it has. After 20 minutes, you'll uh, have some noise overlaid on your audio, so you'll want to quit the application. You can relaunch it. You'll get another 20 minutes. Uh, you can try this as long as you need to to prove that it does what you need, but if you're going to use it to, say, record an hour-long podcast, you probably don't want to be quitting the application in the middle of that. So if you're going to use it in you know daily practice, you're going to want to purchase it and Uh, you'll already have seen that it does what you need it to do. So the ability to provide that is something that I I think is really beneficial to both us and our users. So there's certainly, you know, the pricing is, is part of it. Uh, the restrictions are obviously that's a, a, a showstopper for us. We simply can't have the product in there because of their restrictions. If they said, Hey, those restrictions don't exist. You can get in here. Uh, if they said that alone and we're still taking 30%, we'd say, okay, let's look at this. Does this make sense? Uh, or do we think it's going to cannibalize the sales that we already have and uh, you know, some of those, enough of those people will move to the Mac App Store that we'll be losing money? Uh, if they said, okay, it's only 15%, we'd say, okay, that's obviously a better deal. Uh, still, do we think it's going to cannibalize sales that we're getting and, and are we going to make more money uh, in the App Store or just by doing it direct? I think, you know, uh, as a businessman, the, the, the first th- thing I need to look at is which is going to make us more money. And then I also like to think, you know, which is going to satisfy our customers more. So the people that need these products, as I said, some of them say, hey, I really wish this were in the Mac App Store. And a very small number of them say, hey, it's not in the Mac App Store. I'm not going to buy it. And we say, well, that's unfortunate, but we can't have it in the Mac App Store. And here are the reasons why. We hope you'll consider purchasing it outside the store. We have, you know, almost 17 years of experience selling on the Mac you know, no one's stealing our credit card numbers and no one's hacking our database and and anything like that. Uh, we're a, you know, a legitimate company that's been around and, and is making these products for you. Uh, hopefully you can see that it's worth purchasing, uh, through our website. So, you know, again, that's a long winded answer to to a question that could have a, a single word. And I'd say yes, absolutely. We'd look at doing it uh, the same way we look at any anytime there's any change to it. But I would never say yes, we would definitely do it if they did X, Y and Z, because, uh, you know, I want to be able to evaluate that as it happens. So it's something where we're always looking at what they're doing there. And and for a long time, they weren't doing anything in the Mac app store. Now there's a little bit of movement where Apple has clearly said, okay, we want to improve this and, and we're certainly paying attention to it, but thus far it, it doesn't yet apply to the software that we make.
0: I always like it when people think they've given a long answer, because I think it was Kelly Gamont who set the longest answer award for <laughs> about 22 minutes. God bless her. <sighs> and the thing is, as well, she was just compelling. And again, I love recording with Kelly, because you just... So, Kelly, how are you? Press play, listen for about an hour, and
2: we're wrapped. <laughs> That's it. You can go get a drink of water, you'll listen to it later, You'll you'll have your answer.
0: But I will say, with... You're right. A lot of your um, things are, I don't want to say limited, but I think trial modes. And it's those trial modes where you don't feel frustrated that, oh, God, great, I can't do this. I have to upgrade. For me, whenever I've upgraded, it's because I want to, because I can see the value in it. And I think, well, you know what? Yes, I've had to quit and go back in. Sod that. I'm using the program enough. It's not you. You haven't sort of... I don't want to call it cripple price, crippleware pricing, but it literally just is like, yeah, here is the app. This is what I can do. You've got this long to like it and you'll upgrade. It's, it's a really, it's one of the best ones I've seen in a long, long time. It's, it's Again, just coming back to the app store, loads and loads of apps said, oh, you know, have a look at this feature. Have a look at this feature. Premium only, premium only.
2: Premium right. Only.
0: And I get that. I get there is a price for that. But when it's so obvious when it's such a play it, it it just doesn't feel right and i I completely get the fact you know people have got to make money understand all that but i think you really have here are the you know one of the best ways to do it
2: in my yeah opinion. and it's something that actually this is a story from 2002 so 16 years ago 15 and a half years ago we actually stumbled on this by accident uh the product the very first version of audio hijack lasted it worked for 14 days And after 14 days, uh, it simply, I think when you launched it, it said, hey, you've used up your trial. That's the end of it. And all the features were there. They were there for 14 days. But this was problematic in a couple ways. Uh, If somebody needed the product for just, say, a week, if they had a short-term need of the product, but they needed to use it for hours a day, they could do so. And then after two weeks, they no longer needed the product anyway, and they didn't pay for it. And, And so obviously, we didn't earn the money off something that someone was using for You know, quite quite a long time, and then obviously, you know, more to the point for customers, you might try something today, January sixth, and you might a week later say, oh right, I gotta I gotta see if I if I'm gonna use that, and and you might try it for another ten minutes, and then a month later you might say, oh, there was that tool, I should check that out again, and if the trial is overly simplistic, it will say, well, you you tried this January sixth, and it's now February sixth, the trial was only fourteen days, you can't use it anymore. And we never want to do that. We want the customer to have the opportunity to evaluate it as much as they need to to decide if they want to purchase it. Uh, that, that line is really, you know, can you evaluate it as much as you need to? But as soon as you know that you need it and you're using it full time, then you need to pay for it. And that's that's sort of what trials are always trying to hit. But the very simple, just two-week trial does a pretty poor job of that. It's, it's pretty coarse. It's pretty basic. Uh, you know, then the next one that people did was Every day that you use it counts as a day. So if you used it January 6th and then the 13th and then February 6th, that would actually only count as three days. And if you have a 14-day trial, then you've still got several more days to evaluate it. Uh, and that's that's pretty good. That's that's certainly better. But as you mentioned, what we what we want to hit on is all the features work. You can try this as long as possible, as long as you need to. Uh, but you're going to be annoyed because you're going to need to quit the application Uh, and you're going to realize, hey, you know what? I'm using this. I should pay for it. And so going back to what I said, this was something we sort of discovered by accident. Uh, I think the first version of Audio Hijack 1.0, 15 and a half years ago, I think that after 14 days just didn't let you use the software at all. And then pretty quickly we said, all right, after 14 days, we'll do a noise overlay. So after 10 minutes, uh, the first 14 days are completely unrestricted. And then day 15, when you use it after 10 minutes, it'll overlay noise on your recording. So you can see that it still works, but you realize, hey, I got to pay now. And the accidental part was that uh, some version, some update that we had, 1.6, 1.65, something like that, uh, lost the 14-day trial. So just from day one, it restricted you to that 10 minutes of un uh, unadulterated audio and then overlaid that noise. And we didn't even notice that we had done this. I think it might have even been sort of a bug that uh, the trial limitation got adjusted in a way that you know we didn't intend to. But we saw sales jump off this minor update uh, that you know fixed three bugs. And as I said, introduced one by accident. And basically people went from, okay, I have 14 days to use it. And then I need to pay for it to, oh, I can test it out, but I need to pay for it day one. And that led to an increase in sales where we said, what just happened? Uh, You know, sales, I don't remember the numbers at this point, again, 15 years on, but if they went up 50%, that's, that's pretty noticeable. And we said, okay, what did we do? Uh, What did, what did we change here? Because we know it wasn't the three bug fixes that we released with this. And it turned out that it was this trial change that uh, from day one, you needed to purchase the software if you're going to use it uh, extensively. And ever since then, now, you know, for the past 15, 16 years uh, since then, we said, all right, let's, let's design these trials such that, again, you can see every single feature, you can test every single feature, you can make sure it's going to do what you need it to do. But if you're going to actually use it, you're going to need to pay for it. And that's, that's really worked out well for us.
1: Some of the best trials that I've done work like that. For example, um, David Nanian at um, Shirt Pocket if you download uh, superduper which is a cloning tool yep you can use that to make a clone of your uh, you know your hard drive and that's completely unrestricted forever it says right i, I you're happy you can download it and you can use it to make a clone of your hard drive and never register it never pay for it nothing fine of course that is restricted to making a complete duplicate right. from scratch of duplicate, your hard yeah. drive If you want to unlock the feature which makes it useful if you... Sure, if you want to... Oh, I need to do something with my, you know, let's say my my parents' Mac and I need to make a clone. You can download SuperDuper, you can make a clone, you can do whatever it is you need to, you know, move it to another machine or wipe their machine and reinstall it and then put their data back, whatever. And that is totally free. If you want to use it as a regular backup solution, of course, that is a terrible way to do it because a complete clone takes hours. So what yep. David says is, but you can use this tool totally free forever. But if you want to use it on a regular basis, you're going to want to give me the, the small amount of money that I ask you for. And that allows, you know, the um, smart update, the smart update. Yeah. So basically where it, it, it reads through and says, right, none of this data here on the hard drive has changed since the last clone. So I only need to copy across the data, which is new. And you can't do the scheduling and you can't do, you know, there's all these other things that you're going to want to do. But it's great because you can download it, look at it, use it to make clones, one-offs, and never pay for it. But, of course, once you start using it, you say, you know, about the second time you use it, you think, well, I'd really like to be able to schedule this and uh, and, and not have it take six hours because it, it reclones the whole thing. Well, how much is it? You know, I don't know twenty nine dollars or something. It's like right, you know, put in your thing. Thank you. Right, thank you. You are registered. You are unlocked, and and away you go. You know, that's a, uh, a and the same way, um, l- like you do with um, audio hijack. Is it audio hijack or fishing? I can't remember the one that overlay overlays the sound.
2: It's all of them actually yeah the
1: similarly um I think it was Opinion which was an iOS recording uh, thing had a, had, I started
0: I started off on that
1: yeah which had a and that again that was free wasn't it you could use it for free but you could only use you could only make up to 10 minutes of recordings um if you wanted to unlock you know extended recordings you had you had to make the in-app purchase um but that's great because you You do, you know, I mean, Mark started out doing Rampant Mumblings, which was a show which was, uh, on that basis, never longer than 10 minutes, until he wanted to get longer than 10 minutes, and then then he (laughs) had to pay to unlock it, and then it wasn't 10 minutes anymore. I've always thought that's a, you know, a very good way of um, trial, much better than the, you know, you've got 14 days, because as you say, you download something and it's 14 days flat, either... You can use it for 14 days and then say, oh, well, I've finished that project and so never pay right. for it. Or you've got the other extreme. You put somebody like me, maybe only really has time on a Sunday afternoon to play about with this. And so, yeah, you download it, you look at it, you go back and look at it the second time, a week later, you go back the third third Sunday and it says, "Now your trial's expired. And you've, hardly, yep. you've got, probably only spent an hour playing with it. So there we go. Right. Um... Well, we've been going for quite a while, so I think what we'll do uh, is, uh, if everybody would like to refresh their coffees uh, and whatever, we will go over to see John Nemo in the hardware store, uh, and he's going to tell us about, I believe, a phone case which accepts camera lenses. All right. So take take it away, John.
3: Nemo's hardware store is recording directly onto an iPhone today because I'm reviewing an iPhone case. The company is HitCase, H-I-T-C-A-S-E. The case comes in black. It's a full body surround water and everything protection case. The only case you're going to need for the life of your phone. Just released for the iPhone XR, XS, and XS Max. Same price for all phones, $70 for the HitCase Splash in the United States. Simon will do his best to get the pricing for UK and worldwide, comes in any color you want as long as it's black, covers the case beautifully, lightweight, not bulky, good capacitive touch screen on the front, everything that you need including compatibility with their special lenses that we have reviewed in the past and we will be discussing again in the future. HitCase makes glorious iPhone lenses that attach magnetically to the back of the case to create wide angle and more. Please read about HitCase and about their really high quality lenses, very reasonably priced for the kind of protection and versatility you're gonna get for photography and everything else. My only question is, why don't they provide a wrist strap In the unit that I just opened for the R, which probably Simon will be getting soon for his new R phone, there is the cutout in the corner, the lower corner, where you would normally put the loop for the wrist strap. And Hitcase has provided those in prior products. So I need to check with the company to find out if mine is missing it or if that is a special add-on. But with or without it, the Hitcase Splash will give you moments and hours and years and drop-proof, waterproof, dust-proof and versatility for photography. Lots more good stuff coming 2019. Back next week.
2: So now there's these five loops. Which one's your favorite?
0: Uh, I've got to say, on the Christmas Eve special, I went. A, I was a bit drunk and I went a bit Barry White with the slow jam loop. Uh-huh. I felt. I felt like I should be saying things like making sweet love to all the podcast
3: listeners
0: <laughs> uh, you've probably heard of it let me just go through one uh, is
2: that funky loop?
0: Uh, I feel like I should be out on the streets there should be like a montage of me Yeah. road here with some converse on going yeah boy I was expecting Chic Le Freak. And what's it called? Freak
2: Okay. Th- see, I, that one's my favorite. That one's the one that I like the most. But uh,
0: I do like the way, though, they are slightly generic, but they're not uh, what I call gaudy generic. Does that make sense? I, I, th-
2: I feel like they sort of they've got a little bit to them, but they sort of could fade into the background pretty easily. You don't, uh, you don't really need to pay too much attention to them, but they, they sound like what you want them to sound like. It's funny, actually. Our, uh, our designer, our you know, graphic designer, uh, is the one who made those loops. Uh, he's not a musician. He's got, obviously, a little bit of musical talent, but uh, he's not somebody who uh, is in a band or anything like that. Uh, he just fiddled in GarageBand a bunch and uh, made these, and, and we, we sort of fiddled around with them, and uh, it, it turned out very well.
0: And I've uh, just—I apologise for this, because I've just discovered the fade-out option, which is going to be my new, completely overused icon ever.
2: Absolutely. Now you have.
0: It's almost like I came onto this podcast at the last
2: minute.
0: (laughs) So you did say that your um your designer guy just went into GarageBand.
2: Yeah, he was. uh, You know, we knew we wanted some. uh, We knew we wanted the sample soundboard that we have. And so we looked around at uh at royalty free sounds that were out there. We looked at potentially paying someone to make things, but uh ultimately we found we could m- assemble something pretty good without uh without needing to go that route because really the 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 loops get used a little bit. The rest of the stuff uh I don't know how much it really gets used besides just dinking around and and making sure that uh you know you understand how the software works. But uh we don't really expect necessarily the if you're looking at the sample board, the three rows, drum roll, car leave, and scream, those we don't really expect to get used too much. But the, the ambience noises and the, and the loops we found do get used pretty much. And uh, uh, we were pretty happy with how those turned out and just stinking around for a day or two. And, and really, the, the toughest part was getting the, for the loops was getting the loops correct because you want it to start and end at any point without really feeling like you, know, you hit the end and then restarted. So if you play one of those, you'll notice you can't really hear... If you listen for it, you can hear it, but it doesn't jump out to you that, oh, that loop just ended and now restarted.
0: And You haven't got any plans to do like, the iOS thing of, here, you can buy a new loop back for... <laughs>
2: <laughs> we thought about it. We thought about sound packs and things like that, but uh, we've not heard from any particular user group who would say, oh, you know what I really need is it sounds for... Uh, you know, we, we've we heard from, let's say, tabletop gamers, so people doing like dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons who are using Farago. And that's really cool, but we don't necessarily want to provide them with, you know, these 25 sounds. Uh, and that's really the biggest group that I can think of that would potentially all use similar sounds. So, you know, you might have a sword clashing and a monster growling and things like that. That's a group that potentially we could sell an add-on to, but... Uh, for the most part, it's it's not something where we've seen one group that we'd say, oh, they would buy, you know, rock noises, or I I don't even know what it would be. So,
0: um, I, I, you could probably put me in the in the lines of the people that would buy like an audio pack because it's this is the thing. It's so. It's so hard to find quality free, not free, but that doesn't cost the earth music. Right. Because you go out and then you spend hours and hours and hours looking. When you've got like an app like this and you know it comes with quality science, to me as a punter, I'd be thinking, all right, well, the stuff that they gave me for free wasn't too bad. So the premium stuff wouldn't be too bad either.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely something. I mean, right now we've been so Farago came out just under a year ago. And we had uh, two big updates in April and July, I think it was. So we've been, you know, working more on the software itself to get it to be as functional as we want it to be. But uh, that's certainly something that, you know, Farago 2 could easily have a feature that was, hey, new sounds and, uh, you know, more loops and and more... uh, more audio effects for you. That's, that's definitely something that uh, I would say, f- f- more, more so than selling sort of an add-on, I think it'd be something that would be part of an update uh, and probably a paid upgrade. But
0: Yeah, I, I remember I was part of the um, the trial for Farago, and then I updated, and then I saw the banner, you could continue using Farago in trial mode, it's like, ah, oh, damn you! <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it turns out I struggled to get my soundboard working anyway to, uh, for... Uh, The longest time, because just to go into a bit of podcasting stuff, I use Audio Hijack that then routes into uh, what's it called? Sorry, loop back into Audio Hijack. But then I have to remember to start recording because then when I go into wire, for some reason, the audio doesn't pass through to wire unless I'm actually recording.
1: Okay, no, I I Uh, have that actually. You have to I have to be recording, but I don't. Uh, paul knows i don't actually record in audio hijack so i just have to but i have to turn audio hijack on so i have the white button showing. right, right otherwise right. it won't pass the sound through
2: oh right i see i see yeah because you're you're yeah the way you're pulling the audio into into wire uh well if anything that's almost a feature though right because yeah. you can never forget to record uh <laughs> salesman
0: ever the salesman <laughs> <laughs> I, I will admit I am gutted. I lost uh, my, the audio from my last uh, interview I did. You dropped Icecast.
2: Ah, uh, Icecast, Icecast, yeah, right. So, sorry, yeah. Um,
0: do you want to just tell us a little bit about why that, you know, how that decision came about? Was it an easy thing to do? And
1: just a little bit about that, if if you want to. Now incorporated into audio, audio, hijack. audio hijack. Isn't it? It's no longer a yeah, separate so, thing. You added it. So to, uh,
2: right. So so. Let's see. End of February last year, we said, all right, at this point, we are ceasing development of NiceCast. We actually refunded purchasers back to the beginning of the year. So uh, only since 2017 has anyone purchased NiceCast and paid for it. So that was something where we said, well, you know, we're stopping development of this. We don't want to leave people in the lurch having just paid for an application that no longer works or no longer is developed anyway. It does still work. Um, That was something where NiceCast was a tool we made in 2003, It was the third application we made, but it was our second longest running because the second application we made is no longer in development. Um, It was something where this was a tool that in 2003 uh, was very necessary if you wanted to do audio broadcasting on the internet, on the web. And there just was no good way to do that as far as a simple way to do it. Uh, NiceCast, as its name might imply, is built on top of IceCast, IceCast is an open-source broadcasting uh, backend, But setting it up, especially on your Mac, was incredibly difficult, and continu- making it continue to work was incredibly difficult. And then the other half of it was piping audio to it, so getting audio into that broadcasting solution. So with Audio Hijack, we had a way of grabbing any audio, and with NiceCast, we used that same technology to grab audio and then broadcast it out to these servers. So NiceCast provided two halves of this. It was the audio capture and then the audio broadcasting. And in 2003, this was something that nobody else was doing. It was something that was very difficult to do, and NiceCast made it a whole lot easier. So we had radio stations that used the tool to actually create their uh, online radio streams. That's That was very cool. But we also had a whole lot of hobbyists who said, oh, you know, I want to make a little stream for me and my friends to listen to, or I want to broadcast from my home computer where I have 5,000 songs that I've purchased, uh, and I want to tune into it at work where I can't listen to music otherwise. Well, that's 2003, 2004, 2005. Uh, You know, since then, people have, uh, everyone has an iPod and then everyone has an iPhone. uh, So their music is always with them. People switch to Spotify and Apple Music. So people are streaming music from music services instead of thinking, hey, I'm going to create my own stream. Uh, people no longer own their music, a whole lot of people, so they only stream so they don't have necessarily a tool to uh, play music just locally from their hard drive, which then could drive the radio broadcast that they're doing. So basically, it was something where you know the market changed quite a bit. Um, there were still still are plenty of radio stations using Nicecast. and the new market that came in a little bit using Nicecast was podcasters. People that wanted to do a live stream of their podcast. So, as you're recording right now, we could have people listening to us if we were using a tool to broadcast it as well. I don't know that we really want people listening to all of the show. There's a reason you edit it after the fact. But uh, so we did have people that were, we did have a small new market using it. And so, for quite a few years, we said, all right, let's keep it moving, let's keep it running. Uh, But it really didn't get any updates. And so the interface gradually looked more and more outdated and the code base was more and more outdated the big <clears throat> big reason eventually to say all right today is the day or you know now is the time to to say we're done with this and, and and move on from it was the fact that it was all 32-bit so 2003 we wrote this application and it was written in 32-bit uh next year almost certainly 32-bit applications will not run on mac os at all so in the future, the very near future, it is likely that NiceCast will not run on the latest version of Mac OS, and converting that from 32-bit to 64-bit was going to be a huge undertaking that was not really justified by the existing market and the future market we saw for it. People have, as I said, uh, you know, your hobbyists have switched to just streaming Apple Music or Spotify, uh, a lot of broadcasters have switched to broadcasting on YouTube or Facebook or something like that, where uh, NiceCast didn't work with it. So if we're gonna if we're gonna bring this forward, uh, it's gonna take a whole lot of work. And even the even if we charge an upgrade, a whole lot of the people that we might hope would upgrade are no longer using the product. And the people that are still using it, the podcasters and the the radio stations, uh, we just don't think that there's enough money there for this to be worth it. So that was that was how we decided to retire it. But then, uh, you know, you just touched on it, that we brought this functionality to Audio Hijack. And that was something that we did. So we retired NiceCast uh, the end of February of last year. And then uh, exactly four months later, actually, because it was June 28th instead of February 28th, uh, exactly four months later, we shipped Audio Hijack 3.5, which has a broadcast block in it. And that uses what Audio Hijack is already doing with audio capture, and then it enables you to pass that audio out to a remote, uh, server. So people that need to broadcast definitely still have a tool on the Mac that, that makes this hopefully even easier than it was and, uh, is a tool that we're maintaining and is a tool that is modern and, and up to date where we can sort of, <clears throat> we have a tool audio hijack for recording audio and it does, uh, plenty of other things, but that, that basic infrastructure of recording is already there, uh. And we can sort of tack on some other things like this broadcasting functionality, and they sort of get to come along for the ride. So broadcasting on its own, especially MP3 and AAC broadcasting on its own, may not be worth having a standalone product anymore the way NiceCast was. But we can provide that functionality within Audio Hijack uh, because that infrastructure is already there and we don't have to start from zero to, to keep it going.
0: That's a fairly comprehensive answer. Was Loopback always 64-bit, or did that have to go through the 32 to 64 transition?
2: Uh, Which application, sorry? Loopback. Oh, Loopback. Uh, So Loopback is only, uh, what, four or five years old in terms of the code base. Uh, Shipped three years ago, so yeah, about four years old. Uh, So that was always 64-bit. We definitely, Audio Hijack is, is our oldest application. Some code in there dates back to 2002, so we definitely had to update that for 64-bit, but again, it was something where this is a product that's selling quite well, and uh, NiceCast wasn't. It, it it sold just NiceCast sold just enough that we said, all right, we don't want to kill it, but we can't uh, justify dedicating much in the way of resources to it, and that's fine for a little while. But if you don't ever dedicate more resources to it, it gets sort of older and and crustier is the word programmers often use it gets sort of worse and worse over time and eventually you have to say okay we either need to uh, retire it or we need to sit down dedicate a whole lot of resources to it to keep it going and so ultimately that wasn't worth it but audio hijack and our other tools have been worth making that transition so it's something where the transition was already made for audio hijack so we brought broadcasting to it a tool our newer tools loopback and Farago, those have been 64 bit from day one really
0: and on a purely nerdy sort of question, have you even remotely started looking at making an ARM version for this mythical ARM um, computer that Apple... Well, I say mythical, but when you look at all the WWDC stuff and how they were pushing it, like, it's faster than a laptop, you're talking about Right. That that's a whole different subject the whole subliminal marketing i think getting people ready for an arm-based mac down the line have you have you done any arm sort of ports of it just to test it or have you just gone we'll just wait until that moment arrives
2: i mean there's not really a lot we can do because we, we to, in in order to really test it we'd need a mac an arm-based mac running mac os uh so there's not necessarily a whole lot we can do right now uh But we sort of look at the Intel transition from, what was that, 2006, I think. And that was, you know, it certainly wasn't, uh, I think they might have pitched that as like, in an hour, you can have your application running on Intel. And uh, it certainly was not quite that simple for us. Uh, Some of the low-level things that we do took a little bit longer to bring over to Intel. And uh, it definitely was not, uh, you know, a snap of the fingers to bring it over there. But it was certainly not terribly difficult to get the software running on the new platform because of the things that Xcode did uh, that you know the developer tools that Apple has uh, they made it fairly straightforward to bring the code over and I, I think uh, Apple learned from that they first of all they did the right thing there and they made it fairly straightforward to do and uh, they didn't rush that transition but uh, they we moved to Intel pretty quickly everybody did I mean you know Mac users and I don't know how well you remember that but it certainly to me never felt like a terribly bumpy transition. And I suspect that an ARM-based Mac would work much the same way, that, uh, you know, it would it would come out and we'd pretty quickly bring our software over to it. And after that, you wouldn't really notice that there was a difference. Yeah,
1: I suspect much, to um, be honest, much like the uh, 68K to PowerPC changed, we'd have a period of fat binaries.
2: Could be, absolutely.
1: After a few years, it would just be, right, we, we can drop. We can drop support for Intel now. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're you're right there, Paul. I mean, Apple. is, You know, if they if or perhaps when rather than if whatever. Um, they've done it before, haven't they? Yep. You know, this is the this is the thing. They've they're not beginners at this sort of uh, code switch, and they know how to go about it. And they do. Um, they you know Xcode and that does all the work for you. So.
2: Well, no, I fight not, back on, not, on all the
1: work. Not quite no, all, yes. I, right, I know. I don't. Yeah, not literally all the work, but it, do, it does a large amount of work. Um, absolutely for you.
0: Well, don't forget, we've also we we've got this. Um, oh, what's it called? App slimming, or uh, was it app? D- what I can't remember the feature. It's it's one of those things I get really excited about, and it's the only thing I go, "Oh, that's interesting." At WWDC, before I forget all about it, <laughs> is when they um, deliver the binaries. That you need app slimming or something
2: like that. Uh, app thinning. You're, you're thinking of app thinning, yeah. Yeah. That's, the,
1: um, that's for downloading, isn't it? Where it, it and, uh, yes. Again, if you're, all right, not necessarily for, if you were talking about an, an ARM-based Mac and obviously there would be some overlap, I guess stuff in the App Store would be able to detect what version you are and simply send you right, the, the correct version. I think we'll probably have to splice that in somewhere along the way. No,
0: no, 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 I'm just going to – I've got a plan. In fact, I might even do an old live stream of um, editing the podcast using um, Ferrite because I've been wanting to do that, so I might just sort of stream it live because I'm sure that re- what people really want to see on the internet is someone doing a lot of um, cutting and pasting and splicing <laughs> audio. I think that I'm mean, well, come on, I've seen worse. I mean, I got sucked into it again, like – Watching a man driving a car. <laughs> no, and literally, it was in the Swiss Alps. It wasn't too bad, but it's like, oh my god, I think I've been unemployed for just a little bit lot too long now.
2: Now you know. And was th- was this on YouTube that you saw the uh, the Swiss Alps video? Yeah, I-, I find YouTube has these recommendations, and I don't I don't go to YouTube that often. I certainly don't go there to to watch content, but I will wind up there to see something short, and then the the recommendations that they have are too good and i'll say oh you know what i got five minutes let me watch that bit from snl or yeah. uh whatever it is and suddenly 20 minutes later i say oh geez i gotta all right let's close this window because i'm wasting way too much time here
0: yep it's <laughs> like the spongebob square like three weeks later uh, yeah <laughs> it just it just and it's just that horrible thing of you know what i'll watch it after this next one uh, and there's a guy that i've been watching now he's called it's called the, uh, the Quisition. Link in the show notes. And he's a really good um, video critique about the industry, about gaming, about the whole sort of Ubisoft. Uh, And the thing is, he's got such a good back catalogue. I'm in that mindset of like, I'm trying to binge watch it like a Netflix series. (laughs) But it, uh, it is really done. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live cast. Uh, if I can work out how to do it, because I've got to stream. Oh, yeah, because you've got to do audio capture, video capture, and I'm sure someone will watch it. But yeah, that, that's my plans for 2019. What's your achievements for 2019 going to be, Paul?
2: Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, put me right on the spot there. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. The, the just we'll get, we'll, we'll get personal on this one. Uh, last year, I had... Uh, I broke my foot and I wound up in the hospital two other times for uh, various maladies that we won't even get into. So my my goal is to avoid the hospital entirely in 2019. Yeah, that,
1: sounds, uh, I, I, that sounds like
2: a you good don't
0: plan. Me, yeah. I, I had to go in on January the 3rd for my answer, uh, for my uh, annual Am I Going to Die of Cancer checkup. But I'm telling you okay. the line now, so I'm sort of used to it. But it's always a nice way to sort of think, you know what, Christmas you know, the time of indulgence, and then I'm going there to have a pretty life, you know, uh, life-affirming check-up on things. <laughs> there you go. God, we've we, we taken the show this tone, then. It's all nice and jolly. <laughs> wow, you broke your foot. I've almost died. Ah,
1: uh, right. Okay, shall we bring it back in?
0: Yeah, well, we, well, I think we should go into the, um, that news about Tim's issued a bit of a warning. Yep, with I, the old w- profit call.
2: Yep. I think we should. Gentlemen, I hadn't heard anything about this everywhere.
1: (laughs) We can't avoid it, can we? We're going to have to talk about the disaster that was Apple announcing a likely year-on-year revenue decline. So, really, it's everywhere. Uh, But people have just completely lost their marbles.
2: Don't you think? Well... I'm looking at the numbers because, you know, I saw this, but I'm looking at the numbers. Uh, the tech giant is now expecting to report 84 billion in sales, down from its previous forecast of 89 to 93 billion. Yeah. Just, it's this, only 84 billion, guys. Yeah, only yeah, 84 the, billion. I mean, the, world, the sky is
1: falling in, you know. <sighs> sure. It, you know, and the other thing that gets me about this, and I'm not going to put any links in the show for this because it's just everywhere. But people are completely losing their marbles. Apple is a business. They cannot continue to stratospherically grow forever. We all knew, we all know that they're at the top of the S curve. You know, the iPhone started off in the first couple of iterations, you know, being a minor seller. And then it took off and it went ballistic. And then, since the 6 or 6S, it's been tailing off. Now, that doesn't mean they're shedding users. People aren't suddenly throwing their iPhones in the bin and going, this is rubbish, I'm going back to a tin can flip and phone. you're a flip phone. I know there are a few people who are in digital detox, and um, we've got something about that a little bit later, but people are going on like the world's ending. You know, the stock market has
0: crashed. It, it's the typical, Apple is doomed unless they make a cheaper phone yeah. well. like They bash out every year. Three things I wish the iPhone had. This is why I'm ditching my iPhone. It's year after year. At least, though, at least this year, on the, sorry, last year, at least we ditched the whole thing about, oh, Apple's iPhone X only costs $800, $300 oh, to yeah, make, yeah. but they're charging 1200 At least we ditched that.
1: Yeah, that is true. My take, it was almost inevitable. I mean, the slowdown in China is real. Uh, from what I've been reading in, I think it was November in China, there was a 71% fall in retail spending. Seven Just across the board. Yeah. Seven like that's that's apparently the figures for China are approximately a 71% fall in retail spending in November. That is that is not a a recession. That's a crash. That's effectively people saying I'm not buying anything except what I need to eat. So yeah, I think that's probably going to have a fairly big effect on and, and then everybody's making this thing like it's Apple, it's Apple, it's Apple. Uh I'm pretty sure you're going to find it's going to be everybody, guys. You know? Samsung uh, were already struggling with their uh, iPhone, um, you know, their phone revenues. Um, there are other factors as well. I mean, Made in China has become a big thing in China, and obviously the tensions between China and the US are not helping Apple, are they? You know, uh, in a PR event. But it's not the end of the world. It's, but... Isn't but playing
0: devil's advocate here, they have been pushing up their average retail price, which sort of listening to the whispers in the wind, they're going, That's a very Tim Cookian thing to do. Do you think if they sort of had dropped the price, then they would have sold more, or are they doubling down on so well, like what Paul said, um, sell less but make more?
1: I think the thing there is you have to bear in mind that the X, the 10 series of phones contain a hell of a lot more technology than the than the 678 series
2: they've got right they're more expensive because they're more expensive
1: more expensive because they're more expensive they've got oled panels they've got 3d scanning facial scanning they've you know blah 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 i mean the 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 10r which i've you know which i got is the cheapest because you know they dropped the 3d touch from it it doesn't have an oled panel Stephen Sinofsky um, on Twitter had a a really good thread sticking a pin in the sort of fairly facile, I told you if Apple had sold them for $200 cheaper, it would all be fine. Because, you know, uh, I won't try and uh, put words in Stephen Sinofsky's mouth. He's far cleverer man than I am. Uh, But he knows what he's talking about. And he wrote about a 24-post thread explaining why iPhone pricing and uh sales is an, you know an n-dimensional uh thing to handle and simply saying well if you just sold them cheaper everything would be all right so i will put a link to that actually in the show notes but um no uh i i mean what do we, what do we all feel do we all feel this is a bit of histrionics about nothing i mean some people have just been waiting They've just been waiting for this to happen. So, that, you know, I almost got the impression for some, from some of the articles I read that you wrote, this, you wrote this piece two years ago, didn't you? And you've just been waiting for something to happen so you could post it and go, you know, Apple is doomed! Apple is doomed! Are oh, they're bloody not. How much money have they got salted away in the bank? You know, half a trillion dollars or something? It's just, no. Apple are fine. Apple will be fine. I'm pretty sure their services uh, revenue, which obviously they're growing fast, their current annual services revenue outdoes box office receipts worldwide. So there you go. You know, just their services, that's iTunes and the App Store and Apple Music, generates more cash than all the movies in the world put together. And takes a heck of a lot less work. Yeah. So there you go. That's just to put that in perspective for you. So, no, I, if anything, by the way, not that I have money for such things, but if anything, uh, Apple, you know, Apple shares crashed. Buy, buy Apple shares while they're bloody cheap ish, relatively speaking.
0: You saw that graphic I put in the uh, in the wire room where what was it? Uh, on one day, Apple prices crashed down nine point nine six percent, down to one hundred forty two nineteen. The very very next day they were up 4.27% from the 142.19 to
1: 148.26. So that's quite a healthy rebound. Uh, Yeah, that's because people with money and who know what they're doing say this is just panic, right? If if 10% has been knocked off Apple shares, buy them. Buy them now while they're effectively discounted. It's, It's that's that's how the stock market works. That's how people like rothschild and and whatnot made all their money. They bought shares when they were devalued and then held on to them until they went back up again
2: i I think we've got an investment podcast here gentlemen and and what I think you're saying is that you should buy low and and then i is there a second sh- is there anything else you should do is yes, it, i think when, you should, when the stock is high should you do anything Yes, i think you should sell, sell. Low,
1: buy high yeah sell sell, <laughs> sell 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 you know yeah. Share Investing 101 uh, with Paul Kafarsis (laughs) and Mark Chappell. (laughs) Uh, There we go. Right. Well, that's it. So, uh, Wasn't it in the news either today or yesterday that
0: Qualcomm have paid $1.3 billion to enforce a uh, a lawsuit or something like that? Great journalism here uh, in China to stop Apple physically selling products. So not only is the market dropping off a bit. Qualcomm paid $1.3 billion to enforce a patient ruling that means Apple can't sell.
1: Certain iPhones, yes. Yeah. I mean, that that Qualcomm Apple thing is going to get very messy. I'll tell you that. That's, that's going to get ugly. Oh, the only thing that did concern me about it, actually, is Donald Trump said Apple would be fine. Um
2: everything's screwed that's it
1: you know apple is doomed then as Donnie says it'll be all right
0: take it you're not a trump supporter then paul uh i
1: am not <laughs> i'm <laughs> not better. gonna get into this yeah but that, no, i'm not no there we go that's
2: a, that's enough i don't
0: think we've ever heard anyone on the show that is a trump supporter it just makes you think who actually did vote for him <laughs>
2: Well, well, one thing you need to also realize is that uh, plenty of people who voted for him are no longer supporters. Yeah. Uh, his numbers are, if, if the election were today, he would not win. Uh, if the election were almost any day, but the day that it was, he would not have won. So
0: So, right, so we've done politics, we've done money. Next up, religion. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> Let Let's just go through all the tropes. Well, that's the thing. So, can you say "Happy Christmas" or is it a, is it a very festive period to you all?
2: So, I this is, this is interesting to me. So, do you know why uh, Brits say "Happy Christmas" as opposed to "Merry Christmas"? Are you aware of the background of that? Nope. So, I, I learned this very recently. Uh, apparently, "Merry Christmas" was uh, thought of as. Uh, if people were merry, it often had to do with drunkenness. And so, uh, you know, some more conserved people, uh, conservative people said, well, we don't want to, uh, facilitate or encourage that drunkenness. So we're going to say happy Christmas. Uh, this is in England in, in America, you say merry Christmas, but I learned this because I was at a party and I, this is very strange, but they had a little, uh, chalkboard and you could write a message on it. And I wrote, merry, whatever. <laughs> And a friend of mine liked this, and because she was Jewish, uh, you know, we had a Muslim friend there. We had people that celebrated all different holidays or no holiday. And I just wrote, "Merry whatever, have uh, great whatever you want to have, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, uh, you know, any any holiday or no, no holiday." And her her uh, she put this up on Facebook, big mistake, and she got responses from a couple cousins who were she's jewish but a couple of her cousins are fairly conservative christians and they were offended by this message and they believed that it was taking the word mary uh which is only used with merry christmas in their minds and uh stealing it and uh uh, basically ridiculing their holiday of christmas oh dear and we could not believe this. We initially could not understand what even they were upset about, because, as I said, the message was just, Mary, whatever, all inclusive, have a great day. Yeah, that's uh, a great talk. But we, we determined that they believed that they owned the word Mary. Uh, they would not necessarily have put it this way, but that they that Mary only applied to their holiday, and such a usage as as I had made was offensive to them. Oh, t- and we said, well, wait a minute. In England, they say, happy Christmas, and you can say, Mary, whatever, Uh, Maybe it is most frequently used with Christmas here in the U.S. But So at this point, I have decided that I am going to apply Merry to whatever. So Merry New Year, gentlemen. Indeed. And if if you've got a birthday coming up, Merry Birthday and Merry Groundhog Day and, and whatever. Merry is going to be used for everything, specifically to take back ownership of this word.
3: Yeah,
0: Merry Birthday.
2: Indeed. Well, mine usually is very internet, yeah, I will the be internet,
0: honest. It's like somebody somewhere is being offended by something that somebody somewhere is writing on a keyboard.
1: <laughs> oh dear. Right. Uh well, after after obviously that um CES is coming, of course.
2: Um Merry CES, General. Merry C E S indeed.
1: <laughs> Oh, Merry
0: Awesome Games Done Quick as well, by the way. If anyone out there is on the Twitch, there is a fantastic week for charity uh, for... um, I don't know what the charity is this year, but there's a a Twitch channel called Awesome Games Done Quick. And basically, it's nothing but speedruns done with live commentary. And if you think YouTube is addictive, Uh this takes it to a whole new mm. level but it is for charity and it is worth uh dropping in there of that's if you're not watching the darts
1: <laughs> so merry agdq there we go um right well uh ces then i thought we'd just do a, a very short piece on ces what what do we expect to see lots of this year Right, I've got
0: this. I want to see 3D TVs because I think they 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 need to come back. Uh, a bit more virtual reality, a bit more augmented reality and that'll make me happy.
2: I'm hoping for smart devices. Yes, I think I suspect
1: I tell you, I think we're going to see more smart devices than we know what to do with. Uh earlier on I mentioned, uh, you know, a smart toilet roll uh, dispenser paper dispenser. Uh, Paul said that's probably uh, smarter than most of the smart devices we're likely to see.
2: <laughs> that seems that that seems like more of an emergency that a device could help you with than, uh, you know, the smart refrigerator or the smart tea kettle or whatever.
0: See, this is the thing. It could be there. So if you are living with someone, it's got a weight sensor on there. So it knows when, the, oh, hang on. Right, I'm painting this idea, <laughs> a weight-sensing toilet roll holder. So if you live with someone, not only will it send a text alert to your phone to say toilet roll running low, but then also go in on it from Amazon.
1: Yeah, exactly. Get the dash button. Yeah, um,
0: I, I take it you didn't hear the, the Christmas Eve crisis oh, yeah. uh, podcast where um, I was playing Russian roulette and I'd run out of household toiletries <laughs> and I was thinking, can I survive two days with my current stock levels? <laughs> Oh dear. I I wonder expect- why I sometimes wonder why we don't get more guests on the show. Then I listen back and go, Oh, yeah, that'll be why. <laughs> I
1: I fully expect to hear yeah, an endless stream of smart devices, whether actually necessary or not. Um We're gonna hear I reckon we're gonna hear a lot about robots.
0: Anything that can connect to the internet and can be controlled by Alexa, which is probably going to be everything. Have you got an Alexa or anything, Paul? Have you got a a Sonos or Google or the HomePod?
3: Well,
2: I'm looking around. I've got all sorts of stuff for testing. Uh, Airfoil can send audio to the HomePod. It can send it to the newer Sonos devices. It can send it uh, through Bluetooth to some of the Alexa devices, Echo devices. So I've got... Uh, I'm looking at a, a cabinet to my right that uh, has several of these things. I have none of them hooked up, though, because uh, I don't have the desire to have an always-on microphone uh, listening to me all the time. Uh, not even for—I don't really think that uh, anything I'm saying or doing is that interesting or 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 what. But uh, I don't know. I just don't feel the need for it. I've got my phone. Uh, I can— Call up Siri on my phone if I want to, without uh, having to have it always listen to me. So
0: I was I was having a bit of problems with a Hoy hoi" telephone uh, that I retrained it, and now it's actually working again. Because I was going for a phase where my iPad Pro would be in my bedroom, my phone would be right in front of me, and I could say "hoi hoi" Hoy telephone, and then my iPad would pick it up before my phone in a different room. <laughs> And I was just like, what the dickens is going on? But the Apple Watch has been a bit funky with a hoy hoy telephone. So, uh, if that, that's all the reason I need to go and get the Series 4,
2: <laughs> there you yep. go. You've, you've convinced yourself it's worth it.
0: If anyone out there wants to buy an Apple
1: Watch Series 2, please get in touch with the show. Talking of getting in touch with the show, before we go on to anything else, we announced the winners of the Luminar and uh, Aurora. They should be receiving their codes from Maria at Skylum. Uh, If you haven't received one, get in touch with me. Get in touch with me, uh, and I will speak to Maria about it. Also... We have two licences for Beelight Live Home 3D to give away, one for iOS and one for Mac. Uh, I extended the deadline until mid-January, so if you're interested in winning one of those, email the show at essentialapple at sudomail.com, that's S-U-D-O, mail.com, and mention the phrase I gave out in the Beelight interview. Right. CES, App- Apple put up a billboard. D- did everybody see this? This is brilliant. Absolutely. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, Apple have put up a, a billboard in Vegas to uh, welcome people to CES, which says, What happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Uh, yeah. Well trolled.
2: Well, and, and the best part is this is Apple's only appearance at CES.
1: Oh yes, that is true because um, you know a- Apple don't go to CES. So there we go. That that was uh, that was a good one. Um. That was brilliant. That was that's definitely throwing
0: shade at everyone, is said it? Like yeah, we may we we may not. Um, our figures may be down, but have a dig at this. <laughs> what what, uh, what uh, iPhone are you rocking there, Paul?
2: Uh, I've got the XS,
0: uh, uh, yeah. the
2: regular, the smaller one. Although it's still much bigger than I would like, but uh, yeah, I'm on the I'm on the upgrade plan because that's my indulgence to myself that I get a new iPhone, new iPhone every year.
0: And has anyone seen the Samsung Notch, which is basically uh, it basically looks like a hole punch in like the top right hand yes, uh, side yes, of the
1: screen? Yeah, I just that. yeah. I find that more visually disturbing than than the notch
2: well and and you've had you had the 10 <clears throat> excuse me you had the 10r did you yes say? i have the 10r so so and is that the first 10 series that you've had yes
1: it is i had a i had a um seven before that
2: okay and and are you have you noticed the notch in the past month the first
1: few days i found it visually a little bit um jarring in the same way as i found not having a home button a little jarring okay but, after about an, a week and a half, I don't see it. I don't notice it. I don't you know exactly. I swipe I merrily swipe up and down and all the other things that you do instead. um the one I thought I would find um disruptive was that swiping up from the bottom no longer brings you the uh you know the control center. you now have to control sw- center, you have yeah. to swipe that down from the top uh top right. But like all these things, you you think that they're going to upset you. After a week, you don't even notice. The other thing I noticed was when I first picked it up, compared to the seven, it felt huge. Uh, now I pick up yeah. a seven, and it's like, why have I got a shrunken toy?
2: <laughs> but if you went back, you'd it would, the same thing would happen. You'd get used oh, to yeah. the smaller size immediately. It, you know, give it a week, and
1: you don't notice. It's it's just it's just so so um. Yeah, I've seen the one the picture of the one with this sort of hole punch for the camera. And I find that visually more off-putting because you've got a well, a hole punched in the screen effectively in the <laughs> And I think that would be far more um plus I'm not sure that putting the camera you know, the forward, the, the face-facing camera, as it were. Um, offset is a particularly great plan, but I don't know. That's up to them. That is, that is their uh, thing.
0: Tell you what I have noticed more about the 10, because I upgraded to a 10 uh, mid last year, is I did not, yes, I noticed for a while, but what I do tend to notice is I'm reading more of the screen, and it's a little bit weird to see text right underneath my thumb. Because if you had like the, the home button and stuff like that, you're, you're not used to seeing it. But then when you notice know? just how big the screen is, that, that I find more um, noticeable than I do the, the
1: notch. I, I tell you, the only thing I've noticed with this sort of basically no bezel um, thing is I sometimes go to swipe, you know, with a finger and nothing happens. And I, fi- I realize that's because my thumb at the bottom is touching the edge of the screen. In the same way as you're saying, where yeah. it was, used to be a bezel for, you know, for, for the home button, I would have my thumb on it. And sometimes my thumb is touching the edge of the screen. And so therefore it doesn't register my finger swipe as a swipe. It it registers it some kind of multi-touch and so nothing happens. So I find myself having to be very careful not to put my thumb on the on the bottom of the screen which is something I mentioned when they first brought it out. You know, there is a, all this, no bezels whatsoever. There is a limit to how much you've got to have some bezel, otherwise you can't hold the thing without activating the multi-touch. But there we go. The Internet's founding father, Larry Roberts, has died at uh, 81. Uh, sorry to hear that. Um, for those who don't know, Larry Roberts was a pioneer in packet switching which probably wasn't considered super sexy, but packet
2: switching is what makes everything. Well, and and they thought it wouldn't work. They thought packet switching wouldn't work. Yeah. Uh, I, I had read about uh, about his career shortly after he passed, and, and that was, to me, the thing that stood out was that, as you said, packet switching uh, powers everything we do on the Internet, but when the idea first came out, people thought, well, that, that won't work. Yep. Uh, The concept's interesting, but it won't work in practice. And, uh, you know, 40 years later, we're – 50 years later, we're looking at a very different world. We are indeed. A a similar
1: story, actually, um, in some ways. Uh, I remember reading um, an article by the guy who uh, came up with TCPIP. And, as he said, if I'd known – what was going to happen when I came up with it, you know, transfer, uh, was it transfer control protocol slash internet protocol? Uh, If I'd known how big it was going to get, I would have given it a much sexier name. (laughs) Sad to hear, but I suppose, you know, we're going to get more of those. The the people of that generation who, you know, laid the foundations for the technology we have now are of course, reaching an age where they're going to start uh, passing on. Well, we've got just a snippet here. A user modded his new Apple pencil to look, and I say he, I haven't read it properly, and maybe it's a she. A user has modded their new Apple pencil to look and feel like a real graphite pencil. uh, On MacTrast, link in the show, Uh, very clever, very clever. They've made it look like a giant um, number two pencil, as uh, you call them in the US, uh, yellow HB to us in the UK. Uh, There we go. That uh, That was quite Nice. Um, And apparently, Vuzix AR smart glasses, uh, known as the Blade, will be launching and they'll cost (laughs) you $1,000. Digital Trends uh, seem to think that was a lot of money Uh, these days. Is $1,000 a lot of money for AR glasses? Uh, I don't think so. Personally, works with iOS and Android. Um, My my, uh, only take on that is, do you really want to rush out and buy version one of a technology that is almost certainly going to get a lot better very quickly? that's about
0: it really i think don't you Yep, yeah, i've got to get out of it um so
1: yeah take us out paul not paul uh, simon well
0: no actually,
1: <laughs> putting me on the spot <laughs> no uh so paul would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you and all of the wonderful rogue amoeba software
2: uh sure so you can try and type rogue amoeba.com Uh, If you can spell it correctly, you'll wind up at our website. But if you can't spell it correctly, uh, we also own MacAudio.com, which uh, is a better way to get to our website.
1: I am on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. The show is at Essential Apple. Uh, All of our stuff's over at EssentialApple.com. Um, You can find our stuff also on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on uh, YouTube, uh, over at MyMac. In fact, anywhere we can find that will take it, we bloody well stuff it. So, there we are. <laughs> World domination is, you know, in progress. Mark? You can get
0: a hold of me at Ocean Speed if you're on Zwift, Z W I F T. You can catch me cycling there a couple of times a week. I need someone to uh, to ride with, so that's at Shift Locked on there. Uh, and you can find me uh, on the YouTube uh, at Essential Apple. And I will be doing a live stream sometime this week, so you can see me using ferrite for one of the, but not for the first time to do a show. But I'm going to try something a bit different with it so
2: it p- might go horribly wrong tune in yeah
0: <laughs> it will go it will pull everything i do goes horribly wrong that's <laughs> a standard bearer of things if it can go wrong well at least it didn't go wrong it's what mark could do
1: well i think that's about it so until next week goodbye cheerio everyone so long you've been listening to the essential apple podcast Bart shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to MyMac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen.
3: Amazon, Google, Apple, Android, iOS,
2: Alexa, Siri, technology, sci-fi, video games, tablets, computers, flash drives, toys, weather, and... And General Silliness, geekiest show ever, every week, on the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: This has been The Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye, and thank you for listening.